it wasn't necessarily my intention either to build this network around myself via family. My network is not comprised of people. I went to a networking event. We tend to sell those cars, you know, and there are people I'm using. My network are comprised of my family and it wasn't intentional. I didn't build this, you know, with intention. Same thing with every single person in my network. It just happened organically. I'm Raphael. I'm Cecil. Welcome to Family Man Building the Brand, the podcast that explores what it means to be a father, husband, and a businessman. Join us as we talk to entrepreneurs that are winning at home and in business. Join us as we talk about their journeys, family life, and tips for success. His parents named him Chris, but you can call this fly guy Seth Brundle. The Morehouse College alum is a television personality, expert lifestyle content creator, chef, and fashion professional. A Los Angeles native, Seth started his career as a celebrity wardrobe stylist in Southern California, working with the likes of Issa Rae, Amber Riley, and Tiana Taylor. As Brundle's passions evolved, working in front of the camera was inevitable. He created and hosted two lifestyle web series, Butter and Brown and Fundamental. Hi, I'm Cecil. Hi, I'm Raphael. We are the co-hosts of Family Man Building the Brand podcast. So today is our first episode that we're doing, and we have a special guest here with us, somebody who's been along the journey with us. Welcome, welcome, welcome very much, Seth Brundle, man. We appreciate you being on with us, man. Thank you, guys. And I appreciate being you guys' first guest, and congratulations to you guys for this inaugural episode. Man, thank you very much. This is massive, man. Massive, massive. We appreciate it. It's definitely been a journey, man. Um, and, you know, for us, again, have gone through this journey with you. Uh, it was only right to have you on the first episode, man. Um, now, Seth, you got an elite bio, brother. Uh, I want you to really elaborate a little bit. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Definitely. Man, I, I love this question because I've been answering it for like 15 years. And mm -hmm. every single time I answer the question about who I am, you know, it changes, it evolves, it becomes more complex. At times, it's more um, simplistic. So, Right now, in this day and hour, March of 2023, I would describe myself as an emerging chef okay. um, and a uh, television personality who's a husband, a father, a dedicated friend, uh, and entrepreneur. Um, but I have had, like you said, a very interesting journey in my career where I am and have always been a creative in the realms of, of food and fashion. You guys know back when you guys started Royal Dynamite, I was still a stylist. I had been a stylist for six years. Yeah. Um, working in the industry with some of my favorite celebrities, some of you guys' favorite celebrities, helping craft their image for magazines and, you know, music videos and television appearances and things like that. And I love that. And I was super passionate about it until, you know, I wasn't. Um, and fashion is still something that I'm still very passionate about, but I just don't have any interest and lost interest in working in the industry in that capacity. Um, you guys know I've had about a 10 plus year career in, um, in media as uh, a host and personality or multiple television shows and digital shows and just things like that. Um, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a creative, I'm a chef, I'm an entrepreneur, um, I'm a fashion head. I, and I'm someone who 
uh, loves his friends and family very, very, very deeply and does not um, take for granted um, the impact of all of those people, including you guys. That's what's up. You know, in his life. So that's my answer for today in March of 2023. Got it. Got it, man. Uh, no, most definitely, man. Um, like I said, their bio was elite, Seth. Yeah. Now, l- let's take it back a little. Uh, Seth, where did you grow up? And, and tell us about your childhood, man, because you've accomplished a lot. Um, your brand has evolved a lot. Um, and, you know, a lot of a lot of people feel like they're products of their environment and, you know, they limit themselves to a certain extent because of that. But Seth, doing your thing, tell us a little bit more about how you grew up what your childhood was like. So grew up right here in Los Angeles, California, um, initially in South Central. Um, and we eventually moved to Carson, California um, when I was a kid. So I spent most of the majority of my childhood growing up uh, in Carson. Um, grew up in a two-parent household. Both of my parents are educated. Lots of And I had you know, again, this is another answer that changes every time I, 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 I answer the question or a, every time I'm asked the question. But for all intents and purposes, I had a really good childhood. I had two parents that worked very hard, that provided a stable, you know, home environment for my brothers and I. Um, and at least for my older brother and I, they instilled, you know, a very, um, very much a hard work ethic in us. In addition to my father being an aerospace engineer and my mom being an accountant and auditor for the city of Los Angeles. Um, you guys both know my father had a janitorial business growing up. So entrepreneurship is in my veins. I've been a product of it since, you know, I was eight years old. So, um, ever since I was eight years old, I was going out with my mom and my dad, you know, cleaning the various businesses that my dad, you know, managed in Torrance and Palos Verdes and, you know, Long Beach and the areas in the South Bay in LA. Um, so, you know, I got a taste of what it meant to, you know, earn your keep at a very, very young age. Uh, you know, Ralph, you and I have known each other since high school. So if ever you saw me with a pair of kicks, you know, that were fly or, you know, adult backpack or the fact that, you know, it was a scraper, but the fact that I had a car in high school, it was because I worked for it and I earned it. And, um, you know, I contributed to my family in that way. So. I had a very stable, you know, childhood and, and, and environment. I went to excellent schools. I went to Curtis Middle School. You and I went to King Drew Magnet High School um, in L.A. And then I went on, you know, to attend Morehouse College where I majored in marketing. Um, so I, I, I grew up in a household and I grew up in environments where I was always taught that I could literally do anything I want to do. I could be anything I wanted to be. And it was something that I didn't necessarily know not to take for granted until I was an adult. And especially like me dating my wife, that was something that really, you know, brought to life, like, you know, how unique and special my, my foundation, my education and my, my home life was, you know, I grew up and I was socialized around majority African-American and Hispanic communities, whereas my wife grew up around affluent, you know, white communities. She went to Beverly Hills High School and so on and so forth. And our experiences were very different. And I remember, you know, just initially starting to tell her about my teachers, one of which, you know, Miss Thickpen lives a couple doors down from me. Um, You know, she and I are full very close. (laughs) You know, so telling her 
telling her about my experience with my teachers and I, you know, Ms. Thickpan, Mr. Lee, um, you know, Mr. Friedman, all of the, the amazing teachers and administrators that we had growing up literally instilled in us that we could be whatever we wanted to be. And I had no other reason, you know, to believe otherwise. So, um, the success I've joined, uh, I've enjoyed in my career, um, you know, it's absolutely due to the solid foundation that I got and, uh, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, that's, that's massive. I mean, and, and this, some of this is new to me. Like you said, you've known Ralph for 26 plus years. I've known you for about 15 years or something like that. And, and just hearing what's interesting to me is, um, like you said, you grew up predominantly around African-Americans, Hispanic community. And when you hear most people's stories who grew up around that, they'll tell you, uh, like they didn't tell them they could be anything they wanted to be, not just from the home, the parent, the two parent household, but also when it comes to school, because I've he heard friends who said they grew up in like in on the eastern and states and some of the schools they went to, they were telling them, why would you apply for an Ivan school? Why would you want to go to this school? You're not going to be anything. And so to hear that, and I don't know if it's maybe because it's Los Angeles, but I mean, knowing the schools you guys went to interacting with you guys. I know these are top-notch schools and I mean, they shaped you guys in, in every way, shape or form. So not definitely, man. And, um, like Seth was saying, we went to school together and, you know, the difference between us and a lot of the other students that even went to school with us is, yes, we had cars in high school. It wasn't like we were just well kids and, and, yeah. uh, that we, we were just given all these luxuries of things of that sort. Seth, the reality was, is our parents instilled in us responsibility. That's I'm 16 years old driving a 4,000 pound piece of men over that car. <laughs> See, I'm got to think about one, the trust that our parents had in us, Yeah, you know, because they knew that they groomed us a certain way to have that responsibility okay. and be able to transfer back and forth. But it, it, it was a lot more deeper than that. And, you know, that leads me to my next question with Seth is, you know, I am a part of his network. We do have a network. How exactly has, first of all, friendships from back in those days and the network that you had from back then, how has that played a role in your life now? Back then, yes, you were, you were riding around with, you, you know, your friends were level-headed kids out of the city of L.A. that were responsible and, you know, did things, you know, match the societal norms. But where are you at now? How was that network? How are those, how have those friendships really played a role in your life where you sat now? Man, I, I think all of these questions are just reminding me of how incredibly blessed I am. You know what I mean? Um, I, I am blessed to have amazing resources in terms of my network. And a lot of those people are comprised of my nearest and dearest friends from middle high school at college. Um, my entry into, you know, mainstream media and television was through one of our oldest friends, Joey um, you know, oftentimes Ralph, because we both work in food services, you know, I call you and Brian Hood, you know, for, for different pieces of advice, pricing, vendors, um, the resources, different things like that. Um, my wife and I have been looking for a home for the past year. We have friends that we can call upon for that. I, I'm, I'm sometimes like, and I'm, 
I'm not caught off guard by the question, but like I'm really present with yeah. the question now and really thinking about how blessed I am in that too. The other thing is I didn't, it wasn't necessarily my intention either to build this network around myself via family. My network is not comprised. Yeah. My network is not comprised of people. I went to a networking event. We tend to sell those cars, you know, and there are people I'm using my network are comprised of my family. You and I are brothers, Ralph. You and I are brothers, Seth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And addition to this friendship that I get to enjoy with you guys, we get to, you know, have a, have a, a, a cold beer together, uh, smoke a spliff, you know, uh, trade stories and advice on our children. And we, we get to, and we've got to do business together. And it's a true blessing to ha- to have that network. And it wasn't intentional. I didn't build this, you know, with intention. We gravitated towards each other right. in high school. Me and Seth gra- gravitated towards each other once we met post-undergrad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Same thing with every single person in my network. It just happened organically. And I'm, I'm very blessed for that. But I think the other thing that I have to acknowledge and not take for granted is the discernment that God has given us, right? I knew in the back of my head, there was something that was comfortable and felt right about every single person that I let into my life, right? From the perspective of us having shared interests, they're nerds like me. They play not like comic books. I know, but one of the things I love about Sean, Yawn is a nerd about money. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I can talk to you about everything from real estate to investments, you know, to, uh, you know, talking to our boys about starting, you know, a candy business at school. You know what I mean? You guys are real, real and true nerds when it comes, you know, to your, the things that you guys are passionate about. And, you know, it's with that discernment that God gave me. There's a bunch of people that we could have hung out with in high school, you know, and we see how, you know, life turned like for the most, most of us in our class, the one above us, the one, be- the ones below us are doing relatively well from our high school, but there are people who made certain decisions, yeah, live certain lifestyles, did certain things, you know, that took them down a path that wasn't meant for us. So you know, mine, mine just happened organically, man. And I'm really like, I, I love this conversation because I'm present in the answer. I'm not answering like just the answer. I'm really like grateful right now for, for the simple fact that I get to answer this way, man. It's a blessing. It really and truly is a blessing. And I think as I've gotten older, and y'all know me in this sense too, I will eliminate somebody from my life in a second. Y'all, y'all know, I don't, I don't play. I don't have time. If you cost me emotion, money, time, any of those things that I can't get back or intangible, if you prove yourself to be disloyal, if you're conniving behind my back, if you don't show up for me, you know, when Rob, you were one of the first people that came to my house when my mom died. One of the first people that showed up i didn't ask you to you had no idea and i needed that you know what i mean and knows that's my you know that's my standard for friendship that's my standard for my network um i don't 
you know, only need to get something out of my relationships from people. I like real relationships. I don't want it to be transactional because that's when shit gets fucked. You know what I'm saying? When things are just transactional, transactional, you're always trying to figure out how to get over, you know, on the person or vice versa or whatever it is. But yeah, man, like I, I could go on and on about that forever, but I'm, I'm grateful for y'all. I'm grateful for my network. That's what's up. I mean, it's, it's good to hear that. It's good to hear. I mean, Rob showing up for you. It's, I think it's interesting. You put all that stuff. And as you say that, because it's, it, for me, I'm someone generally I've, I've nurtured my relationships. And like you say, it doesn't have to be transaction. Cause I think when relationships are transactional, sometimes you're trying too hard. And, but, but what you just said reminded me more often why we need to keep in touch with people that you have good relationships with, even if it's that quick nudge of a text message or just like on social media, they just check on them and say hi. And, and, and I, and I appreciate that. And I, and I wanted to switch things a bit and, and still keep it in, in, in the family realm, but um, you mentioned something about your wife going to Beverly Hills High and, and that's where you met. And it's interesting because I guess growing up in California becomes a very small world. I went to, to, to school with your wife's husband in, in college at Long Beach and that's, I'd never met her and I, and I know him. White brother, just for- Yeah, wife's brother, track. I mean, I don't even know what I just said, but, 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 but track and, and he, he ran track and all that stuff. So. I, I guess I don't know how the connection came, but wanted to ask you a couple of things about that and, and, and also keeping it that way. But how did you meet her? Where'd you guys meet? We met again through mutual friends. Okay. We met through Joyce. Okay. Where they picked back one night and I knew, I knew of her again because I knew her brother just like you because yeah. our connection with AB, I knew her brother like Marcus. Yeah. So I knew of her. I had seen her before at, you know, their parties and stuff like that. But it was something about that night at that kickback at Joe's house where we noticed each other, you know, and the friendship, you know, started building from there and the relationship started from there. But again, through met through people that I love, I respect, that I spend my time with, okay. that I also do business with. You know what I mean? It's just a it's a great relationship. And I met her, you know, in that way. And 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 to to add to that really quick, Ralph, I just want to say that you you I think you've said it a lot, but I want you to bring it into context. What what does family mean to you? I mean you said your friends and family are important to you, but I wanted to let the audience understand because I think like we said, this is a family show. And we're talking business and family, but it's important for people to know what family and that family is not only your mom and dad and your brother and your siblings. It's it's your it's the bigger family. What does that mean to me? Oh, man, this that's one of those things that's hard to articulate. It's my it's my elected uh, village. And, you know. With my mom, my with my mom passing away, it really and truly put in perspective who my family is. And again, you know, Ralph, same thing with you, Seth, because I know, you know, we had, I think we had FaceTime with you that day that, you know, Ralph came to my house. I think it was the day after, you know, my mom passed or whatever the case was. But Ralph, you, you guys showed up for me in ways that people that I share the same exact DNA pattern with did not. And are completely incapable. It, it was definitely a, a Seth. We didn't plan that out. It was just me sending out a text to the homies, you know. And when I say the homies, the brothers, you know, especially from the league and and 
you know, we sent that text out and decided on pulling up at a certain time, but it wasn't organized. It wasn't something that we had to think, you know, in depth in order to really make an impact on, on set at this very moment. It was just innate. You guys showed out. Well, we, we pulled up. It was no question. And we pulled up with a bottle of Hennessy at 9 a.m. <laughs> yeah. This is a reality. And finished it. And finished it by like 10. Yeah. We had we had a brother that was down that that took a hit that a lot of. Unimaginable. Yeah. We haven't gotten there yet. We haven't gotten there yet, man. So we really felt, first of all, we know that that set partakes in, in the dark. You know, hence the butter and brown and things that's so, yeah. We won't really go, but it, it was something that we had to do. It, it was it was it was mandatory and it was a duty of ours. So it, it was so simple. I guess the point that I'm trying to get to is that it was such a simple thing for us to do, but the impact that it left on. I mean, I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it for the first time, and it's. I'm glad I made that little nudge. It, was, it wasn't. It didn't take much out of my day. It didn't take much out of all the homies' days. We're only there for a few hours, but. Those few hours impacted Seth's life. It was a critical moment in time in his life. And for us to show up, it, it took us to a different level. Cool, man. I mean, I, I appreciate it. And, and that's why I asked that because. Yeah, it absolutely did. I'm sorry. It says it absolutely did. And those are the things that you can't articulate. I can try, but it's the people. It's the people, my elected village that shows up for. That's what's up. You know what I mean? And it doesn't have to be something as drastic as that. But when it happens. Like, Ralph, you live, you know, and I eat up. Yep. Well, you and I live at a minimum without traffic an hour away from each other. You know what I mean? You run multiple businesses and different things like that. You dropped, you have three children. You have a wife. You dropped mm -hmm. everything and was at my house at 9 a.m. I think, I think it was the day after, either the day after or the day after that when my mom passed away. And that meant a lot to me. Y'all stayed in my house for hours. And then when you guys left and stuff like that, it had your respective, um, you know, things to do. Everybody had to get back to their families and stuff like that. Kenny stayed at my house until like eight o'clock that night, bro. Wow. And, you know, like, he, I'm going to try not to cry talking about this man, but like, man, tough. We are. That's, you know, that's the, that's the definition of family, bro. Like, I didn't tell him that I needed that, but I, but you did. Lessons, man. That's, that's. The definition of family, people that show up for you without you having to even ask. People that love you. Man, you had to be emotional with this one. I'm like, intensity. You know what I mean? That that show up for you. That's 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 one of my many different definition of definitions of family. But Ralph, you know this about me. People, you know, people thinking, you know, certain things, whatever they think about me in terms of like my sense of arrogance and so on and so forth, whatever it's called, especially with respect to my friends. I've had arguments with family members about you guys. Well, you guys treat your, you know, you treat your family better than you treat me and so on and so forth. Or you, you treat your friends better than you treat me and whatnot. And it's like, you don't show, you don't even, you my relative and you don't even show up for me like they, um, yep. what are you talk? What are you talk? I won't accept. I have been, my entire life in terms of my, my family, most of my family, my friends, my, my network, I have been boom fed with on a platinum platter, caviar every day that it comes to the quality of my network. 
I'm not accepting baloney. Yep. <laughs> why? This is you know what I'm saying. That's why, like, if people don't understand that, and I all oftentimes have to explain to people, like, you know, you 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 can feel people trying to get close to you, trying to hang out with you. You know, I'm not necessarily rude about it, and I don't live my life by this philosophy of you know having no new friend, right? But my standard of friendship. My network, so on and so forth, is up here, and I can't accept anything less. I've been exposed to the best, the creme de la creme of friendship and family. Oh man, don't come to me with no bullshit. That's what's up, and and I think um, this is great perspective, and this is great perspective about family and the importance, and and this is what we stand like. Building family and friends is very, it's an integral part of we are what we do and what we need to get to the next level because uh, next man up i always tell my friends we all we got reach one teach one because at the end of the day i don't want to move up i mean people they're, they're the sayings like you could if to like change your circle of friends but then i think we're all ambitious enough that we all want to go and get to these places and we can help ourselves and as we go with that i want to transition about talking about the business of things because we've we've all known each other for a good part, I mean, especially for me, 15 years, and, and that started with us trying to build brands and build um, 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 businesses. So I, I wanted to really ask you, what part of your story has shaped you the most for who you are today? I mean, I, I could call you Chef Seth, and I mean, it's, it's an interesting thing to say, but what part of your journey that you talked about has shaped you into becoming that? Because then we'll get deeper into the business of being a chef and everything it's taken and, and, and how it's helped you, but what part of your journey helped you become that? And, and Seth, even before you answer, I just want to give a little bit more context as well, too, because we've seen you come from Seth Brundle, the stylist, killed it. Seth Brundle, e even when even when you were transitioning to mainstream media and were, was doing Butter and Brown and things, that sort, you killed every aspect of life that I've seen you at, including when you had the son, when you had Salas. So of these major milestones that, that you've achieved in these different aspects of the Seth Brundle brand, which aspect, which milestone really shaped you to the Seth Brundle we're talking to? T today, yeah. So there's, there's no specific thing or instance or experience I feel like that has shaped you know, who I am and my brand today, it's the journey itself. Okay. It's the nights that we spend for years at a time at Ralph's apartment every mm -hmm. Friday night. You know what I mean? With, yeah. In retrospect, we really got to pat ourselves on our backs because we were in our 20s working full time and that level of discipline. We had a mastermind. To, to have a group of 10 black men show up consistently for the common goal of encouraging one another, motivating one and one another, helping one another figure out like our respective brands, you know, our side ventures, our entrepreneurships, you know, my time on the web, my time on television, my time at various marketing agencies, all the entire journey has shaped me and impacted me. And, you know, like, you guys know I'm a pivoter, you know what I mean? Like, and, and, and that's, that's probably the characteristic that I possess that's impacted who I am the most okay. is that I am nimble. 
I am nimble. I am an adapter. I'm a chameleon. So the baseline level for me is I've always been a creative my entire life. You know, again, Ralph, you've known me the longest or whatever since we were 13, 14 years old. So you've known this about me. I've always been in the fashion. I've always been in the food. I've always been into visuals and music and everything creative that, you know, we can make with our hands, ideas that, you know, can come from our heads and we can, you know, physically, you know, manifest in different things like that. Um, so there, that, that characteristic of mine to just be nimble and adapt. Like I've known, you know, I've wanted to work in the culinary field and I've known I wanted to work in fashion, you know, for majority of my life. First off, your mom used to the, go down the journey that, right? Like the journey I've taken of getting there is just being able to adapt when they, cause you know, certain things don't work out. I, the thing, remember it happened at your apartment when I got fired from the last job that I had, I was just like, I know what I want to do with my life. I need to stop bullshitting and I need to do it. And I had an opportunity to, you know, start assisting a friend of mine who was a stylist at that point. So that was my entry point. I didn't have an opportunity to go to culinary school for free like I did last year, you know, which came up in the journey. I didn't have the opportunity or the wherewithal or the know-how to start a cooking web series or whatever the case is. I've just gone with the flow and gone with the journey. Um, so I think that's the most imp impactful characteristic that I've had, but there's not been one experience I, I can say that's like impacted or shaped you know, who I am and, um, who I ultimately become and who I will become the journey, you know, eventually. Cause it's, it's, it's an ever evolving, ever changing thing. Definitely mad. And, you know, um, like I said, I know for a fact now that you are chef Seth Brundle and this is a lane that you're owning. This is a lane that we're making look very, very good. It's not just looking very good really are investing heavy into this brand and it's really it, it, it's, it's you can really see the results coming from it i mean we've seen cookbooks we've seen you on different you know shows on different you know test kitchens we, we, we've seen you really take this lane that you're in now and really aim to take it to the next level but at the same time set i know you are married and do have a child so you have responsibilities, man. Uh, I remember when we were on a call just the other day, you know, you told us that, man, I got the house to myself. So I'm about to knock out a lot of work before I have Selassie coming in and hopping in on my computer and things of that sort of blah, blah. What's that balance looking like, man? Going hard now and I know what it takes for you to take things to the next level. You got to put a lot of time and focus into that. How are those familiar responsibilities really is it a challenge to your entrepreneurship journey as of now? Is it a boost to your entrepreneurship journey as of now? How is that really affecting things and the way you're moving as of now? I mean, it's it's a double-edged sword, right? It's It absolutely has impacted, you know, my life as an entrepreneur in in the most positive ways. And it's impacted my life as an entrepreneur and ways that I'm still trying to figure out, you know, how to navigate. Because uh, my son, you know, just like the nature of my work, my business, you know, the ways in which I make money, you know, he changes every day just like that. That does. No two weeks of mine look alike. So I could, 
you know, this coming week, for instance, I could have on my plate a virtual cooking class for a major or for a major uh, Fortune 500 company. I could have uh, a private dinner that I'm, you know, catering or whatever for four celebrity clients, you know, the next day. And then I could have, you know, a shoe for one of the digital platforms that I work with, you know, all in one week. And that's just this week. And then the following week looks completely different. I could be on at, you know, cause I work with Janelle a lot. We work, we help each other a lot with our businesses. So I could be at Janelle's kitchen cooking from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday, the, wow. the following week or whatever, and have that stable, you know, schedule. It's, it's just a challenge, man. And I think again, like, just like with the last question, the only way I've been able to keep my head above water, um, is because I just adapt as quickly as I possibly can. Um, you know, and then also giving a shout out to my wife, you know, you have to, I don't understand how single parents do it. Like I just, I don't get it. I don't understand it at all. There's two of us versus this one little boy <laughs> and he dominates like so i don't so shout out to shout out to the single hey definitely shout out to you know i don't understand how they do it but um you know just having an open line of communication with my wife being very heavily on um our shared family calendar so we know what's going on with the other one um we have an amazing network of shout out to black women uh, yeah, my, my best friend and my son's godmother, Michelle, um, my wife's best friend, uh, Devin, uh, um, you know, yeah, Cam, who's my, my former assistant and former nanny, you know, she's always still available to us. We just have a network of people that we can show up. call upon and say, you know, Hey, we have X, Y, Z going on. You know, we don't have any coverage. Can you come over and watch Selassie for a couple hours or you know, whatever the case is. And that's the only way that we're able to do it. Uh, we're also very fortunate in that Selassie school is five minutes from where we live. So, you know, we can drop him off as early as 7 a.m. And I think we can pick him up as late as 6 p.m. We don't, you know, we usually drop him off later and pick him up earlier. Um, but all of those things just really help in this, in this space. Like, you know, all of, all of our, um, you know, help is listed on, you know, on the daycare roster or whatever. So they can pick them up at any time. You know, we have, everybody has a key to our house or whatever, who we trust or whatever, so they can get in and out. So it's very easy and convenient in that way that, you know, we have coverage for him and we can do something with him. Cause again, no two days are alike for me. I could get a call today for, you know, a 200 person event tomorrow. You know what I mean? And that means at the drop of a hat, I need to be able to have, I need to be able to provide coverage for my son, keep him in an environment where he's safe with people that he trusts and love or whatever that feel the same way about him so that I can have the peace of mind to do what it, it, it is that I need to do. Well, I mean, it's crazy talking about keeping it at the 200 person event. And, and I think Ralph said, been able to make everything look seamless because I think you understand branding. You understand what it takes to build a brand. So there's perception versus reality. And perception is what we all 
get to give people to look at. Reality is, it's, it's like on Instagram and people do these things where they do the picture where they pose and they like perception. And then this is how I tried to make this picture. I fell in the pool and it did all that. So t- tell me about some of the struggles you faced. I mean, especially being in, in, in chef, doing for 200 and how you overcame that. Because I know my mom's in the food industry and, and Ralph, and I, I hear the stress in, you, in their voices. So, so tell me about it. I mean, because I think people need to understand the, the struggles, but the truth is we overcome them. And I know you do, because like I said, when we look at what the presentation is, it's like, it looks like a machine did this, but a person did it. So can you emphasize on that a little bit more? Man, the biggest the biggest struggle for a freelancer and an entrepreneur, as you guys know, is the unknown. You know what I mean? And um, the ebb and flows of, you know, income. I wear so many different hats and I'm able to make money in so many different ways. And for me, that's been, you know, very beneficial because I'm always able to do something. I'm always able to m- earn money in some way, but there's no way, you know, that I can control that, that we can control that. So there are times where like this past fall or whatever, right. You know, from September through December, I was exhausted. I finished culinary school late, late September. And it was like, you know, God just had everything lined up. I worked and I'm talking about entertainment gigs you know, catering, chef gigs. Um, you know, I work part-time at Major Domo because again, I'm always trying to, you know, perfect my craft and become better. So also work at Major Domo. So I was working like crazy, making good money or whatever, making fantastic money. This year has been slow since 2023 started. Like it was crazy. Like I was bracing myself. I did a cleanse, you know, I made sure to get rest and stuff like that. Like when, you know, everything got quiet for the holidays, because as soon as Christmas had passed, I think it was two days before New Year's, I was getting calls like crazy, you know, to do these private dinners, to do these parties and stuff like that for New Year's. So I was like, man, this year was great. You know, 2023 is going to be amazing. And 2023 has been like in terms of like my catering business, like the gigs have been sparse. Like I've been working, but not like I was working, you know, in the fall. So that's one the the unknown and is the biggest, most challenging, you know, factor of you know my my business my life you know and as an entrepreneurship and you know it's agonizing a lot of times like i went to you know a party a couple weeks ago and i had to talk myself down like nigga you gotta stop doing this you gotta stop doing this but like i had so many people coming up to me and i always have this experience of people coming up to me and saying oh you know congratulations you know you're doing big things and they're i don't know what are you talking about what am I, what am I doing? And there's this, there's this duality that exists, right? Pasta syndrome, man. I've had this conversation with you guys a million times. <laughs> one of the things that I hate about this space, you know, there are very few things, but one of the things that I hate about this space is that because I am self-employed, because I have to make my own money and opportunities. I never get an opportunity to sit back and just yes. enjoy and revel in my successes and my wins. I'm always on to the next. So like one of my homegirls that I did this to at this party, she was like, nigga, what are you talking about? You just had an LA Times interview. We were just featured in that magazine while entertaining. 
Ooh. Go on a Netflix series. Ooh. You know, you catered all these events for JP Morgan Chase and Universal, ABC or NBC Universal. You did it. Like, what are you talking about? You're not doing nothing. <laughs> and I sat back and I was like, I've, I forgot. Life happens. Because, yeah, life happens. And I don't, you know, again, because of the unknown, the unknown has forced me to put blinders on. Yep. I've always just think. Even in, even in this conversation, while I'm enjoying catching up with you guys and doing this podcast, my mind is all walking. I'm like, what's the next, like, okay, what do I, what do I have to do next week? Like, yeah, today is Saturday or whatever the case is, but Monday going to be here. Like, what do I need to be on, you know, next week? What are my priorities for next week? What does my schedule look like? How is that going to impact my family? How is it going to f- impact my son? How is it going to impact my schedule? When can I carve out time for myself, for my wife, you know, to test new recipes and so on and so forth? So, you know, that the, the unknown is the heart is the biggest, hardest challenge. And that's something that, you know, people, people don't necessarily understand about being on this side of it. I hardly ever pat myself on the back. I hardly ever revel in those wins. Cause it's always like, all right, now I got to do the next thing. You know what I mean? Hey, look, it's, it's tough in that regard. What if your clothing choices could make a difference in your community? Introducing Royal Dynamite, a t-shirt line founded in Los Angeles with deep roots in Sierra Leone. Our founders met in the U.S. with a passion for streetwear and a commitment to giving back to their community. With every t-shirt purchase, we donate a portion of our profits to support education and entrepreneurship programs in Sierra Leone and other parts of the world. Our t-shirts not only represent your personal style, but also your dedication to community and making a difference in the world. Join us in creating a world where your clothing choices are statement pieces and an extension of who you are. Shop now and make an impact. Use the discount code for 20% off your purchase, FAMBABRD20, F-A-M-B-A-B-R-D20. This will give you 20% off your first purchase. Go to royaldynamite.com, R-O-Y-A-L-D-Y-N-A-M-I-T-E, royaldynamite.com. Uh, this is the reality. Uh, this is the reality yeah. that us as uh, good fathers, first and foremost, great husbands, secondly, and, and third, we want to make sure that we stay on top of our P's and Q's. There has to be a sacrifice. Something has to take that hit, you know, and... I think I think social media breeds us to want to make it look so microwave and, and fast and <laughs> easy that the perception versus reality is drastic different. Yeah. You no. Know, they, they, so their approach is Seth and saying, hey, you achieved all these accolades, accolades, accolades. But Seth in his mind is thinking, man, I got this gig on Wednesday. How am I going to get Selassie picked up at six? I need to go on ahead. And just, there's, a, there's a different part of his mind that's working. There's a different part of our minds that's working when the goal has to be met. So I think that's something that, that, that yeah. a, lot of, a lot of family men that want to build their brands has to stomach. You know, don't, it's, it's probably not going to, it's going to be very minimal love from the streets when you want to complain because, again, you are receiving all these accolades as far as they can see him. You know, you want to complain about, oh, man, I got to pick up my son. I got to drop him off. I got a gig for 200 people. They're actually looking at you as the luckiest man on earth. And, of course, we're blessed when it comes to that. But 
I gotta, I gotta get past this moment of you congratulating me and get on to the next because the family needs to survive. The family needs to eat. I need to build this brand. So I think that was a perfect game that you gave right there because we need to, you know, a lot of, a lot of men and women out there need to understand that, you know, you're going to make it look extremely easy, but at the same time, people really won't be able to get that reality feel from you because, you know, it's, it's, it's a perception that you have to put up, you know, we're not purposely putting it up, but I guess I don't think we're on social media to show our cries and angst as well, too. Now, nah, we're on social media to promote and, and liven up people and be positive and optimistic. So you might think that everything is all easy breezy over here because I'm not definitely coming on here complaining all day about me having to go pick up my son, me having to go run these three businesses, me having to drive a million miles somewhere. You know, I'm not here to do that. So you're not going to see that. You're just going to hear you know, what I'm putting up. In storytelling, I think, um, Seth, you know that probably better than all of us, the art of storytelling. And uh, that's what I tell people. And if you take social media and if we're sticking on the perception versus rea uh, reality thing, I tell people like when Mark Zuckerberg created Facebook and then if you can't think bought IG, it, it was it was peddled to us or promoted to us as a app to keep in touch with friends. But in today's world, it's become especially for us as brand builders and entrepreneurs, it's a business. It's, it's how do you use this platform to tell the world about your story? And we have to tell our stories because before then, everything was told on TV, NBC, CBC, CNN, and they control the narrative to what they want us to see. But we have a platform, I'm not going to say it's completely leveled the playing field, but now we have an opportunity to tell our stories. We have to show up, like you said, excellent. We have to show up with high standards. So yes, when I look at, your social media. When I look at, I mean, one of the things I enjoy looking at is your stories because it, it's completely, it's, it's, it's built in a way where I'm able to follow you being in a completely different state and still almost feel like, Hey, I'm down the street from Seth, but I'm thousands of miles away. So definitely, definitely appreciate that. And, and one last question about the business side of things, because I think for every aspiring chef out there, tell us what it takes. I mean, cause explain to them what the process is. Cause I, it's not an easy of what it takes to become a chef, bro. Man, man. Um, so says, I'm so glad you act. I mean, they need to know, they need to know the <laughs> time it's here. I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so glad you asked that question, bro. And Ralph, feel free to jump in at any time. You know, chef, tell us what to Yeah. <laughs> A perception, y'all see. I'm I I set up. My teeth got whiter. My face got brighter. I people because everything you guys were talking about us being the microwave and the microwave generation, right? So people, society in general, expect things fast and quick, and nobody really nobody thinks about things anymore, right? So one of the toughest ex experiences I have in the food services industry, you know, as an entrepreneur working in this, in this field, and I think it's slightly different from me and Ralph, but people don't understand what it takes to get food to consumers safely. They don't understand what that takes and they don't understand what type of infrastructure that requires, right? So let's say for, let's take me and Ralph as two examples, right? Sis, you're having, you know, family man 
building a brand, you know, conference or whatever, your first, you know, it's 200 people or whatever. You go to your business partner, Ralph, and you're like, okay, we know we got this event. We need to get 200 people fed. You know, you have your businesses, Ralph. You have the Subway franchise. And Ralph has the infrastructure at the subways that he does. He has a brick and mortar location. He has the same orders. He works with the same ingredients. He makes the same thing every day, every week, every month, every year, right? For me, on the other end, your request for me is some of my greatest hits. It's things that you've seen me make on Instagram. It's a photo that you saw on Pinterest. It was a cooking show you were watching with your wife or whatever. And you're like, I want to serve that. Right. So you, you, you take a bid from Ralph or whatever. You send out RFP, you get a bid from Ralph. Ralph can comfortably probably, and this is probably on the nose to Ralph and you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong. So for Ralph to fulfill and service that many people, the average cost is going to be around $4,000, right? Because he has that infrastructure. I'm like on the nose, huh? Yeah, you are. That's trade. Yes, you are. All right. So for, for Subway, for Subway catering orders for about 200 people, it averages. So for brick and mortar locations that have the same infrastructure as Ralph, the price is usually between three and let's say 4,500, depending on what the ingredients are. For me, my infrastructure is completely different. I'm a private chef and caterer and I own my own business. I'm not making the same thing every day. So the margins on my, my product look different than they do for Ross. My, the, the, the money that I have to shell out for labor looks different than it does for Ralph. Cause whereas you have a kid that you can train to assemble a sandwich, I have to hire other skilled chefs to help me prep food. You know what I'm saying? And keep in mind, I'm at a rampant wage level and I have a fixed food cost that's just for context for the listeners. So that's the difference. Exactly. And you have fixed food costs, whereas mine's fluctuate. And then you have minimum wage. I have to pay these skilled chefs like an average of their rates start at like 35 and out. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So there's that. And then people don't understand even this, the things that you and I share, Ralph, people think, okay, yeah, do food for 200 people, so on and so forth. And then they want to argue with you about the budget. And then I have to explain to people, and it was the same thing with styling. A lot of people don't understand for goods and services. I don't just have 200 people's worth of food just sitting at me <laughs> or sitting at my kitchen ready to go eating for you waiting for you to call me to do this order or whatever after source those ingredients that's at least a day or two of grocery shopping before anything even starts that's my time that's my energy that's my body then i have to sort all of those ingredients then i have to prep all of that food again at a at a commercial at a clean sterile commercial kitchen space or whatever. I have to prep all of that food according to whatever the specifications were. Uh, then I have to package that food so it can safely be, because again, with me and Ralph, it's different. Cold cuts, you know, and hot sandwiches, same formula, same ingredients. They're wrapped in the, the wax paper or whatever the tape is put over them. They have, Subway has these to-go containers that they sell and different things like that. For my offerings, everything's different. So everything has to be packaged different. 
Some things have to be put in cold boxes. Some things have to be put in hot boxes. Some, you know, the sauces have to be stored this way. You know, I have to have my sternos here, so on and so forth. I have to transport those things from the commercial kitchen space to the location. Same thing. And then when I set up, then when I finish setting up, or then when I arrive, I have to finish setting up. I have to service my clients. Then I have to break down, clean up all that stuff, do payroll, and then do inventory and make sure all my books, you know, are in order. The food services industry and the service industry in general, but anything that that commands a product is minimum. People only look at, you know, the day of service. They only look at the two hours that they hired you for. In most instances, that is at least three full days of work. That's wow. It takes skilled hands. It takes knowledge. Ralph and I both have our ServeSafe managerial uh, certification. We know about food safety, you know what I mean? And what it takes to uh, preserve food, to season food. Yeah, the temperatures, how it's handled, how it's transported, all of those things. It's very skilled labor that we take for granted because everything's so fast and quick and easy now. But that's the thing that I wish, that's the perspective that I wish people had, you know, about the about the service industry just in general yeah what it takes to get food you know from the grocery store from jeffro from costco business from all of these places what it takes to get that fruit from our email correspondence our ideas from the grocery store to your table safe and it's something that i absolutely love doing but i i turn down gigs a lot because people don't want to pay and my response always is because you know people unintentionally get disrespectful sometimes and I'm you know they don't do this intentionally yeah yeah will automatically respond and say that's too expensive and I'm like well frankly it's not expensive enough if you knew what I had to go through to get these brain short ribs and you know potato puree on your table that's you know to your guests you you wouldn't even bat an eye and then I remind them like Subway does cater Wingstop does cater you know all these people but why aren't you going there? You could spend, yeah, you could spend half and you was telling me. Yeah. I mean, they, like you said, they have the infrastructure. And- Man, first of all, you just, you just kind of opened my mind up because I've never had to look at the other side of food service, which is actual being a chef and, and, and serving. You still have to deal with all the rules and regulations that I have to deal with. But set, I have a, I have a set product line. When I order, I order once for the week, and it seems like what I had, what I have seven days to achieve, you'll need to achieve within forty-eight hours because immediately after a gig, payroll goes out. I got a bi-weekly payroll. I know that if I order ten boxes of salami, I can store that, and I know I'll be able to push that. Yeah, really. Found, yeah, you can't go buy ten filet mignon steaks and hope that you're going to get an order for being <laughs> to feed that many people. So I, exactly. that's an eye opener, man. I didn't even look at it like that. I'm so used to, I mean, the system being built there for search of being there. And all I'm doing is just managing. You actually have to implement the infrastructure on a daily basis. And people really don't get that. Man. And that's, that's on the rest of it. I think the food services industry at large is a very complex organism. There are so many different things you can do within the food services industry. 
Rob, you probably can't even fucking scramble an A. You know what I'm saying? But you own a food services franchise or whatever. I'm a chef. The, you know, the, the type of work and business that we do are very different and the requirements are very different for them. But in both instances, it's backbreaking work. Whether you work with set inventory and your employees make, you know, minimum wage or whether your inventory, like, you, you know, and for me, it's frustrating because I'm sure you get, when you do your orders, they deliver them to you. Uh, Cisco pulls right up to the stores, right? Shout out Saladin. I got to physically go out to stores and hope that they have what it is that I need. There have been so many instances where I will offer customers, like I'll say, let's let's say like something super dumbed down. Let's use Super Bowl for an instance. You know, this client wants my Super Bang Wow Wow wings or whatever the case is. Okay. Um, and I'm like, yeah, chicken is common. I know I'll be able to find chicken wings, so on and so forth. It's Super Bowl. I haven't been to the grocery stores. I don't know what's going on in the market. There are so many times where I've gone to the grocery store to get chicken wings, hard sank, no chicken wing. Okay, let me go to let me go to this store really quick. They don't have any. Wait, this Jeff, can you guys call y'all? Don't, it that kind of thing happens to me all the time, and that contributes to the amount of time that I have to, you know, utilize in order to like fulfill this inventory that that I need to even get started, and I have to physically do that myself. You know, I try to utilize Instacart and some of the other, you know, delivery services, but you run into trouble because, you know, in most instances, the people that are doing the Instacart shopping are not skilled chefs. So like talk about like even when she's groceries for your house, they are not skilled. <laughs> they won't know what it is. They won't know where to look or they'll get the wrong thing. You know what I mean? Like those kind of things. So it's very, you know, it's very hands on. And I just, you know, if nothing else, I just want people to get from, you know, this little morsel, this little nugget that I'm giving them not to take anything for granted when it comes to the services industry. It's the same thing with styling. Remember, remember I used to tell you guys back in the day. Yeah. People had the same kind of commentary around styling. Well, you know, just X, Y, and Z. For stylists, you got to have relationship. Number one, relationships with designers, with style houses, you know, with, um, you know, your name has to be good in the studio spaces at the major uh, department stores and different things like that. Then again, just like with Cater, you have to go do your pools two days, three days, you know, a day before the actual shoot or the event itself. You have to do fittings with the client to make sure the shit fits and, you know, your vision is right. You have to do the day of work of the actual project that that's all people look at. They just think you just magically show up with 50 couture dresses and gowns and, you know, heels and all that other stuff, whatever, you're just ready. And then they take for granted too. After the shoot is said and done, you got to repackage, reorganize that stuff and return all of them. You know what I mean? It's at minimum, a lot of times in the service industry, it's a minimum three day job where people just pay you for the one day of work. You know what I mean? Crazy, man. Cool, cool. So, I mean, this is, this, this is packed. I mean, and, and to, to, to summarize that for people who are looking to become chefs or to get into anything service industry, because I think all of us are in that service industry to understand it is not, an, it's not easy. Perception versus reality. You got to put in the work and you got to make sure you're dedicated to 
doing this stuff. So, I mean, Seth, we really, really, I mean, we've taken a lot of your time. We really appreciate that. Done this for us. And, and I think as, as our first episode, we're getting to break down entrepreneurship because that's what we all are. We're entrepreneurs. And this is not like explaining to someone what it takes to go to a nine to five and figure it out in a structure. This is saying there's nothing as much as you want to create structure. There's also nothing structured in this thing. So you have to try your best to keep it together mentally health-wise in every shape to make sure this stuff works. So with that said, I mean, to kind of, to kind of wrap it up, um, are there any upcoming projects or things? Because uh, you mentioned some of the things that like somebody was um, a dab about, but I know I watched your most recent um, stuff on Netflix and um, on your social media, I saw the book, like the, the recipe and stuff. So do you have any upcoming things that you would like to, to let the audience know about? So not necessarily um, my focus right now, again, because, you know, we talked about this at the beginning, mm -hmm. you know, what I'm working on, what my focus is, is always changing. Um, I've really poured myself into my craft. Okay. Entertainment is one of the biggest dreams I've ever had. I would love to have, you know, more television shows and different things like that. It's just you know, but that's a little slow. Like I'm having conversations with a couple major networks, you know, pray for me. I'm hoping everything works out. Is that from, but there was a time in my life where I obsessed over getting the next thing in entertainment. Okay. I'm at a place now where I'm content where I am. I've accomplished a lot in entertainment. I've hosted and created, you know, more than a handful of shows across, you know, premium networks, cable networks, and digital okay. cases. Yeah. And I want more, you know, I, I actively talk to my manager, you know, once a month to go over like, you know, what's available, what's going on and so on and so forth. But I'm not tied to it like that. So, or I'm not as obsessive over it as I once was. And okay. I got to make it happen. It has to happen this year. So on and so forth, blah, blah. I'm kind of just like letting things, letting the chips fall where they may in the entertainment space. So, there's a couple of projects that I did that I can't necessarily talk about that are going to roll out later on this year, kind of like with the Netflix thing. Okay. Um, but I want to probably the next notable thing about me will be a pop-up. I'm trying to figure that out now. Okay. Kind of piggybacking off the last conversation that we had. It's difficult for me to do the pop-ups because I don't have a physical space. Um, it's very, very costly, like doing a one day pop-up, a two day pop-up, a week long pop-up is very, very expensive because my infrastructure, like I don't have a lease. A lot of times just to rent the spaces for one day costs the same as that it does to lease a space on a monthly basis. And then take into account, I have to bring in all of my own equipment, all of my own people, all of my own everything. And in, in those instances, I only have the space for 24 hours. Uh, so in terms of what I have coming down the pipeline, um, more entertainment, more entertainment, um, related projects, um, more interviews, more features and different things like that. But namely I'm, you know, pouring myself into my craft. I, I have the menu tested and ready for the next pop-up. I just need a venue. So ideally I wanted to do the next one by June. So if you follow me on social media, we're just in general, look out for it. Cause I want to have another one by June. Uh, but yeah. That's what's up. That's what's up. No doubt, man. Well, I know, I know, um, uh, you're going to keep us updated on, uh, 
know, especially the entertainment and, and what you got going with Netflix and things of that sort. Uh, tell the people, where can they really find you online uh, to keep up with this journey? Oh, I'm I'm easy to find. Um, I'm Seth Rundle everywhere on every platform, most active on Instagram, um, least active on everything else. So on <laughs> Facebook fan page, I have a personal page. Uh, I have Twitter. Yeah, I have Twitter. I don't really, you know, I'll scroll Twitter every now and then. I have TikTok. I'll, I post on TikTok every now and then, but I mostly just watch other people's videos. I spend a lot of time on TikTok. I just don't participate actively. <laughs> Cool, cool, make big sets, make sets. Seth Brundle, Seth Brundle everywhere. Awesome, awesome, cool, man. So, like, we like to end every show by asking the guests questions that could definitely help. Like, we say this is a family man building a brand podcast, and we wanted to give the audience something to take away with. So, Ralph, I mean, to be honest, bro. One, the digital wave is here, it's been here, and it's something that we should tap into. You mentioned a few resources that you use on a daily basis, whether it's for the family or whether it's for business itself. What's a great digital resource that you can give to the audience that you use now on a daily basis? Man, so I definitely use all of uh, Google software. Um, I use Google Sheets, Google Slides, and Google Docs basically every single day. Um, I use those three pieces of software for everything from recipe creation and ideation to my prep list for, um, you know, different events and different things like that. Um, I use slides to build, you know, my proposals, invoices, um, and those things. So those are, those are digital resources I use on a daily basis. In terms of one that I just discovered that's been very, very beneficial for me is uh, ChatGPT. And AI is such next level, such an exciting, it's such an, ex- ChatGPT is next level and it's exciting and it's terrifying at the same. It's too good. <laughs> wow. It is, it's, it's a little too good in the sense that. So you guys know, because of everything that I do, working in entertainment, working in the food space, oftentimes have to do a lot of write, whether it's a caption for an Instagram post, you know, or it's an email, you know, to a client or whatever the case is. And I've been leaning on it since my brother-in-law told me about it a couple of weeks ago. And it's been fantastic. And I do like sometimes when it's too good, I know with like the AI software, like it's pulling from other resources and getting smarter with the prompts that we're giving it in songs. Yeah. But when it's too good, I always take the quote and run it through Google because I'm like, they took this from another food website or another chef or whatever the case is. Like, they took this quote. I can't steal this. And I can't find any of (laughs) it. It's it's literally thinking and coming up with this copy, you know, by itself or whatever. So it's been very, very beneficial, you know, to me in that way. Like, I am a little apprehensive about it because it's very clear that this is going to put a lot of people yeah. out of work. Yeah. Copywriters probably won't have jobs in the next five years. Um, you know, so it does have very serious implications, but I've also seen, you know, conversation online about it, about, you know, how black people need to engage with AI more because we need to teach it about us. And not allow white people to teach. Yeah, not allow white people to teach 
AI about black people. We need to teach AI about black people. We need to give it proper context. Um, you know, so there, there's always two schools of thought for everything, but that's, that's an amazing, incredible, incredible resource. Um, in terms of a creative visual one, I always get compliments on my stories. Um, and like all the graphic design and like the, you know, like my, my brand in general, uh, that's something that I'm very proud of. And I know that I'm a visually talented person. Um, so just a little, little humble brag there, but, uh, for all of like my creative assets, I usually use Canva. I, I use two resources. I only give the people one. I'm not giving them either. But <laughs> Canva, um, is a really good one. And then the other one that I use is like, is like Canva or whatever, but it's not Canva, but it's, it's, hey, those are two incredible pieces of resources. And then for families in the, the family entrepreneurs, I was just going to, um, conclude and say, shared Apple notes with your spouse and share calendars. Like those make all the difference. Sister no one to get back at, because I know that that's something that I implement on a daily basis to share a calendar. And that's definitely a key. You know, I keep to the whole phone schedule. Uh, we know how to move and things that sort of no mishaps because we know can't really mishap when it's time to pick up the young one from school. You can't mishap when it's time to you know, drop off somewhere, things that I saw. I learned something new. I, my wife and I will start using a shared calendar. Cool. Uh, what advice would you give to a new father and husband? What advice would you give to a new father and husband? Throw all your expectations out the window. Whatever it is that you expected your wife to do, whatever you expected the marriage to do for your life, whatever you expected fatherhood to be holding those two posts don't leave room for any expectations whatsoever again and i feel like a broken record you got to be nimble when it comes to being a husband and being a father um number one from the perspective of being a husband and being a partner in general um you have to craft the life that you want with your partner Yours and my marriage doesn't look alike, Ralph. Yours and my marriage doesn't look alike, Sess. Yeah. For the two of you guys, you guys' marriage don't look alike. We all have a different number of children. We all live in different cities. Our wives have different temperaments and different things like that. You have to be very intentional with your partner about the type of relationship that you specifically want to have and what's going to work for you guys. Like, I'll give you an example, one little example, not traditional. I love washing dishes. I don't mind washing dishes at all. I crank my music up. It keeps my hands busy so I can't grab my phone. I can't go to my computer. I have to be stationary and in one place and I can just be in my thoughts. And I love cleaning. I can't stand, you know, a messy kitchen or whatever. So I don't mind doing it at all. And I do the dishes, clean the kitchen like 99% of the, the, the time in my household. That's White has different strengths and different things like that. But if I'm, you know, this dickhead that's coming into my marriage with all of these, you know, false e expectations of what my wife is supposed to be doing, <laughs> should be doing, that's a recipe for disaster when you coming out the gate, you know, as a newlywed. You guys need to talk about what it is that you expect from one another and agree on what those things are. So again, throw all expectations out the window. And it's the same thing for fatherhood. 
My philosophy about fatherhood is very simple. It is that I am going to fuck up and I know that I'm going to, I'm going to mess up, but I'm not going to make the same mistakes that my parents. I, I told my wife right before we had Selassie, I feel blessed in the sense that I have a really good memory. I remember the things that made me feel loved as a child. I remember the things that made me feel encouraged as a child, just as I remember the things that hurt me, the things that traumatized me, the things that I wish I had never lived through or gone through. So I try to keep those things in mind. Like we're having problems with Selassie right now where we put him down for bed. It takes him like an hour to fall asleep. You know, he calls us back 50 times, makes up, you know, reasons why he <laughs> come back. You know, he has really bad eczema. So he'll be like, yeah, I'm like, right. I'm itchy. I'm this, I'm that, you know, because of the eczema and different things like that. And one of the things that I had to tell Ab, you know, I had to take a step back, had to step outside of my frustration with him and understand, number one, I sleep horribly and I always have since I was a little bull. I've always slept horribly. You know, my wife knows this about me. So I think that's why it's taken my son longer to actually fall asleep because his brain is just active. Now he's, he's a sentient being now. He has memories. He has opinions. He had, you know, he has things he worries about, love, so on and so forth. So it takes him longer to fall asleep. The other thing that I keep in mind about myself as a child, I was a scary ass little boy. I was scared of everything. Monsters, aliens, you know, the dark, everything. I was afraid of everything. So that's one of the other ways in which I'm trying to give him grace as a father and as his parent and just being, being aware, not falling victim to tired. I'm exhausted. You've brought me low today. I need time to myself, but really making an effort to like, not expect my son to do what I want him to do. And just be a present father and make sure that I'm in tune with what's going on with him and what he needs. Okay. And like I said, at the very least, like not making the same exact mistakes that my parents did with me, that my father did with me and trying to improve upon, you know, the equation before me. That's always the goal, you know, especially for us as Africans, African-Americans, people of the diaspora. We're always trying to do better than the generation, you know, they came before. Definitely. Now, now that that's that's all love, man. And that's that's geared toward that that new father, that new husband. But what's your first piece of advice? And this is the last question. What's the first piece of advice that you would give to that new entrepreneur? Throwing your expectations out the quickness. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, man. Same piece of advice. It's just so dynamic that same piece of advice, throw your expectation. Yeah, I I think for besides the expectations piece, I think I think passion is necessary. Yeah. Yes. Passion is the only thing that's gonna get you up out of the bed every yeah. like I like I said earlier, Ralph, you probably can't scramble an egg, right? You're not necessarily excited about Subway specifically or about working in the food industry specifically, but you are passionate about money and strategy around money and entrepreneurship. That's your passion. That's what gets you up every day. 
you know, being able to provide for your family, take nice vacations with your wife. You know, your home is beautiful. You know, the way that every room is, you know, curated and different things like that. That's your passion. That's what you, you might not necessarily be, again, because we both work in food, the food services industry, and we both have a different interest, you know, in, in food or whatever in, in that space. Yeah. But you have to find a point or a thing to focus on, to be passionate about, unless, unless it's going to be disingenuous. You know, like we know because we live in, you know, a hustler's economy, you know, an entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneur's economy or whatever the case is, you know, I don't know. I don't think I know anybody that doesn't have some kind of side hustle. You know what I mean? It's kind of necessary nowadays to have, you know, a main, a main job and, you know, a side hustle. Yeah. But the thing that we're losing in all of that is quality and passion. Yes. You know what I'm saying? You have people making things, doing things that they have no business, no business in the first place at all. You know, selling cookies, cleaning houses, so on and so forth. Can't beg for shit. Can't even clean their own place. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. So I would say, you know, pick something that you're passionate about. And again, it doesn't necessarily have to be you being passionate about that thing but at the very least let the money be the motivation and let that motivation have you put out the best possible quality or service quality of product or service that you can possibly man that's you know otherwise is 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 going to be reflected in the him appreciate that man i think you've given us over an hour of just gems just uh I think to, to to put it in perspective for our first episode, it's like, this is the entrepreneur's journey. This is the entrepreneur's dream. Like they, we need to listen to these advisors because I mean, for us as family men, there's the intricacies of all of that entrepreneurship, family, kids, and, and all these things. And you've given us so much gems and just saying like, throw it out the door, throw your expectations out the door and be passionate about what you're doing. I, I think that is very, very important. And, and one of the things I, I constantly heard, even if you didn't use it, is you have to perfect your skill. And this is what I tell everyone. If you want to be a good entrepreneur, if you want to be a successful entrepreneur, because money might be the byproduct for some people, that's what they say, whatever. If you improve the skill, everything else will fall in place. So if you have the passion, the skill, and you keep improving that, everything else will fall in place. So man, it's been, it's been a journey, bro. We really, really appreciate your time. We really appreciate all the gems that you've given the audience. Hopefully everybody found this very useful, very entertaining and, and, and took a lot of gems out of this. So man, Seth, we appreciate you, man. Thank you very, very much for being. Likewise. And congratulations to you guys again. Congratulations to y'all again. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> Catch you on the next one. Hopefully, when when I'm in LA, we, we'll definitely get that pop up going, man. I'll be there. Let's 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 do that. Let's do that, man. Folks, first co first guest episode with the legendary Seth Brundle is in the books. Fam, thanks, man. Appreciate everyone. Till next time. That's it for today's episode of Family Man Building the Brand. We hope we left you with a ton of value from this episode. If you like what you heard, feel free to leave us a rating and a review. This helps our show gain traction with other listeners just like you. You can join our community by subscribing and following Family Man Building the Brand on your favorite podcast platform. 
Remember, we're family and together we build.